Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And boy, do I tell you, we got some snow this week. It's coming like cats and dogs here on the Kenai Peninsula. I Since October, I must have had goodness gracious, probably six feet of snow come and go from where I live here on the Kenai Peninsula. So, and snow's going nuts at Anchorage this year. So make sure that uh, you pay your snow plower well, because give them a tip, because they are out there probably burning both ends of the candlestick. So we want to welcome everybody for showing up to the Muscular Alaska show. And we want to thank everybody that listens, watches, <laughs> excuse me, reads Muscular Alaska. We do this for folks just to get a conservative flair of the news. And we oftentimes have guests on the show who maybe are conservative, and that um, is what is happening today. We like to give you both sides of the coins here on Must Read Alaska and just not stick to one side of the party politics. So today I have a great pleasure of welcoming Representative Gray onto the Must Read Alaska show. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Thank you so much, John. It's my pleasure to be here. And I'll try not to choke. I'm going to take a little swig of coffee here. Apparently, I'm choking on air this morning. Well, welcome to the show, Representative Gray. Tell us, we'll get into some of the things of, you know, that you're working on and some things that you care about your, that you're doing this year. But for folks that maybe don't live in your district, Alaska's huge. Tell us, let's go way back. Let's, let's talk about where you grew up and kind of what got you first involved in politics in the first place. Okay, well, I was uh, born in a small town outside of Houston, Texas, and I grew up in a small town outside of Houston um, and uh, moved to Alaska the first time in 1998, right after I graduated from the University of Texas at Austin. Um, I got to Anchorage uh, summer of 98, no plan, um, didn't know anybody, ended up working at the Barnes Noble on C Street. Um, and, uh, made a lot of friends though, friends that I have to do this, to this day. Um, so uh, I wasn't able to make things work like a lot of young people who want to make Alaska their home. Sometimes getting those first opportunities is the struggle. Yep. And I, uh, left Alaska, but always had my eye on getting back here. Um, so in 2000, 2016, actually, I had gone to, uh, physician assistant school, um, in my mid thirties and, um, good for you. I knew I, yeah, I didn't kind of figure out what I wanted to do until I was a little older. Um, I, uh, was looking for jobs in, in, in Alaska and I had, I was in the national guard. I had been looking at VA jobs because they're very nice to their guard members and, uh, Alaska VA made me an offer. I couldn't refuse. So, uh, my family and I moved to Anchorage, back to Anchorage in 2017, um, and I, I'm going to be really honest with you, John, I'm not, I was not a political person <laughs> for really those two decades. I, th there are things 
that kind of happened in the world of politics that I did not pay attention to. I didn't read the front page of the newspaper. I didn't watch the evening news. I really, really lived in my own little world. Um, in, I guess, well, I, you know, um, I, we bought our first house in 2019, uh, right before I deployed to Kosovo with the Alaska wow. National Guard. And um, that, one of the sort of the conditions, we bought the house directly from an older couple that was planning to move to Washington State. And they said, you know, we're on the Campbell Park Community Council, and whoever buys our house has to take our place on the Community Council. And um, I guess I followed directions well, because I, <laughs> I started I going to the that camp. That was a prerequisite to buy the it house. It was. It was very important to them. They wanted, uh, they wanted whoever took, you know, ownership of their home, they wanted them to take ownership of the community as well. So um, started going to Campbell Park Community Council. Um, I, I, I mean, you're in Nikiski, so it's a, it might be different there. But in, in, in Anchorage, we have these community councils. And I swear, if you go to three in a row, you're going to be asked to be on the board. Yeah, because like, and you're on the board now. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. I had only been going to a few for a few months and they had their election. And they were like, well, Andrew's been here a few times. You could be the treasurer. So um, I ended up being the treasurer. And... Um, I'm going to be real frank with you. What happened is uh, Dave Bronson got elected as mayor. And one of the first things he did, even before he got sworn in, is he wanted to initially, it was a very large planned homeless shelter of up to 1,000 people. And it was going to be just a few blocks from my house. And that was what was the fire that got me started going to assembly meetings. I'd never been to an assembly meeting. I didn't know who was on the assembly. And that is not an exaggeration. So until Dave Bronson was elected, really didn't know what an assembly meeting was. Or I mean, I did because they spoke at the community council, but I didn't know the other people. So um, I went to town halls. I, I went to every single assembly meeting. I was uh, There was a fire inside me that um, I was going to do everything that I needed to do to make sure that didn't happen. And if I'm honest, there was definitely a NIMBY aspect and, a, you know, um, that not in my backyard type of, of feeling. But I learned so much about uh, housing and homelessness in that period. And what we know is that a, an extremely large shelter like that with, you know, multiple hundreds up to a thousand people isn't really in the best interest of the people they're trying to help. Um, and so I, over time, just learned a lot about that. And, and, and really, to take it all the way to this moment, I ran my campaign on affordable housing. Um, the price of homes at Anchorage has shot up astronomically. Oh, seems like it's the price of rent. to live in Anchorage these days. <laughs> yeah, the price of rent. I, you know, door knocked up and down Tudor. I, I know that one of the questions you had was about my district. I'll get that in a second. Um, that they, they, I have um, folks whose rent has gone up 30% in the last few years. Some of these are retirees on fixed incomes. And, uh, you know, $1,000 a month for one bedroom was, was doable. $1,300 a month, not so doable. And they're already in a one bedroom. Like downsizing is not really the answer. They've downsized. So 
that was what drove me to this moment here. I, I, I ended up in a district that where, you know, they did the redistricting and I ended up in a district where the incumbent decided not to run. And, uh, next thing you know, you're in the house of representatives for the state exactly. of Washington. Yeah. Well, have you set Dave Bronson a thank you card for lighting the fire under your belly to get involved. <laughs> you know, you bring up something that I don't actually ever say it out loud, but it is true without a doubt that, um, I really, it, you know, it, I am here because of Dave Bronson. Um, and you know, I, I have thought about it. If Forrest Dunbar had won that mayoral election, I probably would, I would not be in Juno right now. I'd be going to work at the VA and doing my everyday thing. So it's funny how those things happen in life, but that's what happened. So tell me a little bit about some of the things that are gonna be your top priorities and exactly what district you represent for the folks that um, are hearing okay. from you for the first time, just to kind of give a frame of reference. Okay, I will go in reverse order and I'll talk about my district. So my district is House District 20, commonly referred to as the UMED district because it has uh, University of Alaska Anchorage, APU, Providence Hospital, AMC. So I have those institutions in the middle of my district. Um, I also, I, 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 my Southwest point for those who know Anchorage is the corner of Lake Otis and Dowling. Um, and I extend all the way up to East high school, Baxter's my, uh, Eastern boundary. Um, so it's a relatively large district for Anchorage. I mean, we have some enormous house districts in Alaska for the more rural areas, but for Anchorage, it's relatively large because I have those institutions, which aren't really where people live. And then we have the Campbell Creek Trail and the Chester Creek Trail with a lot of green belt around it. So um, a lot of green space as well. Um, I filed My first bill that I filed was a requirement that people who are released from prison, who've been in prison for longer than 120 days, have a valid state ID. Um, that may seem at first to have nothing to do with housing and homelessness, but let me explain why it has a lot to do with it. Um, if you don't have a valid state ID, it is very difficult to rent an apartment. Um, it's very difficult to get a job. It's very difficult to open a bank account. It's very difficult to get seen in an emergency department. I mean, having a valid state ID um, enables people to um, restart their lives. And not having that ID is a huge impediment. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I had I took some criticism. A, uh, a another a fellow House member on the floor yesterday talked about um, that that I was just you know that implied that that somebody just be trying to help prisoners. That that's but but ultimately, if you don't set people up for success, they're going to end up without a place to live. Yeah. And um, so, did your I bill help kind of like kill some of the government barriers that it would be harder for them to get an ID? Well, I don't want to get too much into the weeds, yeah. but I will say that what's probably going to happen is we're going to codify something that's happening, which is that the Department of Corrections has recently started issuing a Department of Corrections ID. Um, they're not required to do that, but this Department of Corrections ID is recognized by the DMV, so they're able to use that ID to get a driver's license or a state ID. Um, so 
you know, we're, my, my team and I are working on the correct language and how to, how to figure out how to best um, enable the Department of Corrections to carry this out, to do what they're already doing, but also to make sure that folks who leave have what they need to be able to get a state ID. Um, I think we're going to be able to do that. So um, we've got a, several different organizations helping me um, to make this happen. Um, most people who understand what this means are very supportive, and that would be on both sides of the aisle. I yeah. definitely, with the moment I filed it, I had a, a couple of Republicans say, oh, I wanted to do that, like literally uh, said that. So um, that is uh, a, a priority. I, um, and this isn't really related to legislation, but I am working on and brainstorming with different organizations for how to incentivize more affordable home construction, not only in Anchorage, but in the interior and in rural Alaska. And um, I have met with our federal delegation to have that conversation. I have met with, uh, you name it, and I've probably had a meeting with them. Yeah, I mean, there's no silver bullet. That yeah. that would be the, the, the place I am right now after all the meetings that I've had is there is no silver bullet that is going to suddenly bring down the price of home construction in Alaska. Um, there's it's a very it's a multifactorial problem. You know, when you're building in rural, you've got to deal with uh, water and sewage and and, 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 and the foundation and, and, well, and, and a two by four probably costs, you know, sixteen dollars up in rural Alaska. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and, and what people will say is like, oh, well, you can get a prefab home. And if you just uh, somehow were able to uh, subsidize the shipping or whatever, and because like ship a home to Nome and to set it up. But the bottom line is that when you factor in the cost of water, sewage, the foundation, uh, especially if it's on unstable soil or permafrost and you're trying to prepare for that, the, the price just balloons astronomically. The the figures that you'll hear is that like a a two hundred thousand uh, dollar prefab home in the lower forty eight would cost between six hundred and seven hundred thousand dollars at the end of the day in rural Alaska. Yeah. So and and we're talking about a not very exciting small home. Um, when we talk about the interior and uh, um, you know in the greater Fairbanks area. Um, we have a lot of the same issues. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll jump to my own district near um, UAA, like what you think would be like the most modern part of Anchorage. We have homes on septic and we have um, roads that are in just incredibly poor condition. And um, I acknowledge that. I am aware of it. And um, for my, any constituents who are, live, uh, who are listening, <laughs> um, getting the roads improved in my district is ask anyone in our caucus, ask anyone who talks to me, it is front and center. It is embarrassing that three blocks from the University of Alaska Anchorage that we have streets with potholes so deep that, you know, they will ruin your- yeah, they'll, uh, pop, they'll pop your tire and, you know, screw up your- They will. And I mean, these people, you know, there are people who've been living there for 40, 50 years. These are longtime Anchorage residents and they should, it's just, um, it's it's terrible. And um, I, I I feel like I'm a broken record. I talk about it all the time, but I, I it, it bothers me so much. 
Well, I think so, uh, you got you got the work your work cut out for you. I'm sure that you'll be able to accomplish a lot of that this year. But let's switch gears for a second. Yeah. And let's talk about you have a little bit. You're kind of famous in the book club world. You got this. You have a book club that I do. Uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. So I did. I host. I host my own podcast, the East Anchorage. Well, it used to be called the East Anchorage Book Club. The East Anchorage Book Club podcast was my podcast prior to being elected, and. For better or worse, my team decided that we needed to do a fresh start once I was elected. So it's now called East Anchorage Matters. Okay. John, I'm going to tell you straight up, hindsight is 2020. I should not have had East Anchorage as the first two words for both. Because if you search, what's going to happen is book club's going to come up because it's been around. There's been over 50 episodes. That's the one people are going to see. So they got to type a lot of letters to get to matters. But um, I'm glad you brought it up. East Anchorage Matters. I'm, I'm really, I'm interviewing a lot of folks in this building. I am doing a very concerted effort to, to interview folks on both sides of the aisle. So I have interviewed Senator Robert Myers from uh, North Pole, um, part of the uh, Senate minority. I've interviewed uh, Jesse Sumner from Wasilla, representative. I've uh, just finished, it's not out yet. So I'm hot off the presses. I just rep, uh, interviewed Republican Will Stapp. Um, also from uh, from Fairbanks area. And um, that's a, a really, I mean, he's a Purple Heart recipient. We talk about his time in Iraq. It is a, um, a very important, I feel, I feel a very important episode. I'm really glad I got to have that conversation with him. Um, so East Anchorage Matters is the, the, new, the new name of my podcast that right. I'm trying to carry out here in so June. When does it launch? Is it already launched or is it's it? It's launched. So our first guest was the week after we got here. That was uh, Luki, Senator Lukey Tobin was the first yeah. guest. Um, and then Robert Myers was the second guest. So I, the, the, uh, the sixth episode came out this week and it actually was when I broke away from interviewing people in the building. I interviewed Anchorage Assembly Chair Suzanne LaFrance, former acting mayor of Anchorage, uh, Austin Quinn Davidson. They were here because the Anchorage Assembly was in Juneau last week. And I just, they walked in my office. I was like, hey, can we do a podcast? And uh, and that one's out this week. Um, hey, do you mind if I like just bring up what I feel like is kind of an elephant in the room? Yeah. <laughs> well, because Must Read Alaska has had two stories about me in the last week. I just wanted to like throw that out there that, that, that um, you know, that, um, that those have been out there. And I want to say that some, like, like the last paragraph of that first story is one of the funniest. If you don't mind me bringing that up, because um, uh, it's written by Suzanne Dowding. And she said that um, uh, Representative Gray could get his feelings hurt by walking out the door each morning. And I love that line. It is so funny. And I just wanted to say that like, I, I want to like frame it and put it up in my office because it is very, very funny. I, because... And I get it. I know where it's coming from. Um, that that I when I give speeches or whatever that um, I'm I can get pretty uh, dramatic. Um, You're a very passionate yeah. person. Yeah. So, um, but I, what what I would point out is that John Boehner, you know, was a, a elected Speaker of the House. He was known for crying all the time. I'm in good company. There are other politicians that can get pretty emotional when they speak. So. Um, I don't, um, I, I, I just want to want you to know that like, I take those articles with good humor um, and, uh, and they, you know, I, that's the place I come from. I read them with a, uh, an open mind. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I refuse to look at politics in Alaska as an us versus them thing. 
I, I didn't mention it, but I did, you know, when I grew up in that small town in Texas, I, I grew up in a very conservative family. My uh, parents voted for Trump. Um, and I, uh, I think because I had my, my father passed away, but I have still have a very close relationship with my mom. I, I know that it's issues, not personalities. My mom is still my mom. I love her. Um, we may not see eye to eye on um, a lot of issues in politics, but that doesn't change our relationship. And that's the way I look at folks in my district who maybe didn't vote for me. It's the way I look at uh, folks who uh, uh, write some comments about me on Must Read Alaska. Um, I get it. Um, and uh, hey, well, we're on here chatting, so you know it doesn't get much better than that. So yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So I just um, I just wanted to kind of address that up front. Um, that I, I and, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm not a very good politician. I'm gonna tell you that, John. I'm not. I'm new at this, as I just explained in that intro. I um, I I think that in some ways I'm liberated. I loved my job at the VA. I loved what I was doing. I if if for some reason I wasn't in office anymore, I would it would I would love to go back and do that. And I think that gives me a level of freedom that maybe some other folks don't have if they're concerned about re-election or saying the wrong thing or offending somebody. I don't have those same guardrails yeah. because I'm like, well, if I say something and it ends up like destroying my political career, well, I mean, it was like a one, it was a, <laughs> like, a I had a good run. <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah. So um, I don't know. Well, I appreciate it. Well, let's let's chat about some of the things that maybe you think um, that could be accomplished this year or next year, uh, bipartisan stuff. What do you think some of the bipartisan things that maybe you're going to be working on this year or next? Well, so um, that now we're getting into being a politician. <laughs> After I said, I'll say anything. Um, the, you know, it's no secret that my caucus is pretty committed to um, increase in funding for education and a return to some sort of pension retirement for state workers, including teachers. Um, that puts us in alignment with the Senate's priorities. Um, it is not necessarily in alignment with the Republican House majority's um, priorities. And I, uh, I guess this is where like I'm the eternal optimist. I hope that we are able to come together and find a way forward to um, help our schools, help, you know, help retain our state workers. Um, and, and that's what that, you know, fingers crossed for that. I'm also on the House Ways and Means Committee, and we are working on some uh, long-term fiscal planning. Um, I know for a fact that there's, uh, you know, some conservative folks on that committee who probably um, have different ideas about the best way to do that fiscal fix than me. But I think that we are having a good open dialogue 
I, uh, you know, uh, Chair Carpenters brought in um, a variety of people to do presentations. Oh, he's Chair favorite. He's That's your, my representative. He's your representative. <laughs> um, and um, I'm learning a lot uh, there. And I think there might be some legislation to come out of that committee that might um, make a big difference in Alaska in terms of maybe fixing the PFD so that it's not this political football that we're kicking back and forth every year that kind of delays us doing other stuff. Um, so yeah, I really, it's, I, it's I now hope- It's become what seems like a, a ways, a way for people to get elected, which is not ideal. I know, and you know, and it's straight up, it's like been going on for decades. And um, it just, I, I wish that we could uh, figure out a way to solve that problem because there's so many other things that we need to be talking about. I like that. So let's talk a little bit about foster care and adoption. I know that that sure. seems to be something that you have a passion for. Um, tell me why this is such an important thing for you. Um, well, I adopted a child from the foster system. So I think that, that you know, it's just a personal thing. Um, I, you know, for me, um, we, we, there's a huge need. There are children in the foster system looking for permanent homes and there just aren't enough people stepping up to the plate to, um, to give them that home. And really coming out of COVID, you know, during COVID, uh, the number of people signing up to be foster parents declined precipitously. Mm. And so you had this even greater need of, of kids in the system and 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 no homes to go to so i i mean the bottom line is uh it's not hard to become a foster parent you um you could literally google become a foster parent in alaska through the office of children's services ocs you'll do an orientation you know that orientation will kind of tell you a lot of the nuts and bolts about what would be required that you know getting your home inspected the the sort of things that need to happen but ultimately we need foster parents the where do these kids go like if there's no foster place do they go in big group homes or what like what happens well, that's a really good question and and the answer is i think sometimes that does happen what there's a lot i else i can speak personally from my experience there's a lot of pressure for you to take on additional kids like so what they can do is contact a foster parent and say hey i know you have that third bedroom or that fourth bedroom would you be willing to uh you know take a third child or you know th th there's some of that um which um you know it's great if you can do it but but also like it's a lot of it's it, not everybody's going to be able to take not, not everybody's going to be able to do it and and and, and you know i don't want to throw people under the bus but sometimes you know if you're kind of you didn't ask for something and it's thrust upon you know you know, it, it just, it's probably, it may not be the best situation. So, um, so this can literally change a kid's life. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and, and you know, people thank you. I, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll do my commercial right now. I mean, we began fostering my son when he was three, um, and, uh, ultimately adopted him a couple of years later. I mean, it's been the greatest joy of my life. Being a parent is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me. And um, this was not like, 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 
people say, oh, it's great that you're giving a child this opportunity, these opportunities, this home, but, but I'm the one who's receiving the gift. I'm, you know, it's just so, um, it's so fun. It's so fun to, you know, take him to skiing, you know, watch him learn to ski, you know, watch him learn, you know, he was in his first big ski race at Alyeska last Sunday, nice. said he never wanted to be in a race and, you know, did it in fourth place. And, and so that's just such an exciting and fun thing. It's a wonderful gift that you're giving, you know, not only to the child, but to yourself. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I'm going to, I'm, I don't shy away, John, from from <laughs> from controversial topics. The reason why it's, the reason why it's been out in the news is probably because of what happened last week. Um, and I know uh, that you know I will say that this, if people for whatever reason um, care about, are, are you know they're 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 on pro life. They want to support life. You know, you support the kids. I'm doing a John Boehner moment. Sorry. You support the kids that need it now, the kids yeah. that are here now. And so, you know, when I hear people ranting and raving about um, abortion issues, I just have to ask you, what are you doing to, to support the lives of the kids who don't have homes right now? Sorry. So, yeah. So that, that's the thing. Sorry, you're passionate about this. No, I, yeah. So, um, yeah. That's, so what, that's, what, you know, there's going to be people that listen that are going to be like, oh man, this, you know, something Representative Gray said struck a chord with me. I don't know if I can foster, like, this seems overwhelming. Is it something to where, you know, um, it may seem, seem overwhelming, but you think, you know, the average productive member of society that's an adult could possibly do this? I mean, do you think that this is something that just well, yeah. So, can do. yeah. So I think that people have a particular vision in their head of what like you have to be this perfect. No, be able to no, do no. And I think you, you learn, you'll learn when you go into orientation that there are going to be folks there who are, you know, maybe making $50,000 a year. Um, you know, it, this, it, it, you don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to have a huge house. You, uh, there are certain basic requirements. Uh, you know, a child needs their own bedroom, mm -hmm. their own dresser, their own closet. Like there's cer certain basic things that, so, you know, obviously if you lived in a studio apartment, this is probably not for you. No. But um, if you can provide a bedroom with a closet and a dresser, you can be a foster parent. Um, you know, there's a few other requirements, but that's kind of like the, the structural things that you need. Um, and uh, I think you can also think outside the box. A lot of people expect that they're going to have like a baby or a, a young mm -hmm. child, but there are teenagers who need homes. There are uh, teenagers that for whatever reason um, are not, are, are, are homeless mm -hmm. and, and they need a home. And so those teenagers, they can, they can pour their own cereal. They can get themselves up in the morning. They can, you know, if you think you work a schedule that you can't really accommodate this, there are, there's probably a situation that you might just be perfect for. Yeah. So I would invite people that even if they don't think that this is going to work out for them to tr just do the orientation, you're not signing any papers. You're not agreeing to anything, learn more about it. 
and see if there's, and, and you know, you there's kind of two tracks. There's the people who want to adopt and there's people who just want to provide a temporary home. If you're just providing a temporary home, like, because these are kids that for whatever reason, they're away from their parents for right now. Their parents yeah. need to work things out. They're going to return to their parents. You could uh, provide a home for a kid for a few weeks and then you don't have a kid in your home for a while. And then you decide if you want to do it again. So there's a lot of different ways of looking at this and ways that you can be a part of that. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to go find the link to the Alaska um, Office of Children's Services. I think it's OPA, right? Yeah. And um, I'll go find the link and put it in the description so people can go check it out uh, if and when they get spurred on to, uh, you know, maybe possibly do some good this year. Um, last question to you, Representative Gray, is let's say there's folks listening. They live in your district. They're like, this guy sounds awesome. I want to get to know this guy. I got or I got a road that's the worst road in the world. I can't believe this guy is, you know, has a district. Hey, if it's in my district, I've been, I've driven on it. I know it. Trust How do they me. get in touch with your office? What's the best? Okay, so my email address is rep.andrew.gray at akledge.gov. So that's akleg.gov. Our office phone number is 907-465-4940. Um, and uh, I've got great staff. They, they'll, they'll be happy to... Uh, uh, talk to you and they can, you know, figure out what your issue is and even get started on it. And, and, and I'm, I, and I'm obviously happy to talk to anybody. I'm having a coffee on, um, in Anchorage on oh, nice. Saturday morning from nine to 10 near the corner of Lake Otis and Tudor. There's a Starbucks there. So I will be there if people want to just stop by, say hi, or if you have any issues or anything, we can, uh, um, meet face to face and have that talk. There's also, uh, on, Sunday from two to four, the Anchorage delegation is having a, uh, oh, oh, when does this podcast come out? Sorry. It'll be out in like, I don't know, hour and a half. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> if, if it's coming out after Saturday, this is a, a not good information, but it's a Sunday. It's the whole Anchorage delegation. So all the representatives from Anchorage, oh, wow. senators from Anchorage will be at Rasmussen Hall uh, on the UAA campus from two to four. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, and, and that's, uh, all of Anchorage. So nice. Most well, I, wa I want to thank you, Representative Gray, for coming on. It was a blast getting to know you. And, uh, um, you know, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, that is all the time we have, though. We've right. been almost 10 minutes over. Time I know. And I, and I have a meeting at 930. I'm, I'm, right, so I'm running me. late. So yeah, hey, thank you so much, John. Have a great day. It was a pleasure talking to you. And um, um, I'll be in touch. Sounds good. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Must Read Alaska show. Until next time, I'm John Quick from somewhere in Alaska.